lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. We are joined it has been too long, but we are back and reunited with our good friend Paul Alexander. He'll be joining us here in a moment for the Dace Group. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, and then check us out on places that don't attempt to censor us, MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. You can also get clips of the show free of censorship, free to watch over at rumble.com slash Show as well. You know, across the country, Americans are discovering if you want to help change the country. We must change the way the marketplace works. Woke corporations seeking to divide us. Big banks freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their views. Uh, and our supply chain being dependent upon countries that actively work against our values. Joe Biden saying earlier this morning, hey, we can continue to have you suffer from high gas prices so we can double down our on our climate environmental uh, agenda, right? Things of that nature. It's time for change, and that change starts with us and our wallets. That's why we are proud to partner with Public SQ, like, you know, Public Square. Public SQ, the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses our nation has ever seen. Public SQ is the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans with within their local communities and businesses that share those values. Whether you want to support a restaurant that uh, goes and buys local farm-to-table, a coffee shop that took a stand against the mandates, or a bank that would never cancel you for your views, Public SQ is your guide. Just download the Public SQ app from the Apple App Store or Google Play, create a free account, and begin your search. You can also list your business for free if you'd like. Uh, so your local community can find you today. Download the app today. It's Public SQ. Public SQ. One more time. Public SQ. Phenomenal idea. All right. We have, of course, next hour Feedback Friday when you guys will take over the agenda that we react to. But before we get there, we begin as we always do with the day's group. And there he is. Good to see him again. Former strategist, communications czar for the Tulsi Gabbard for president campaign, Paul Alexander. Good to see you, brother. How you been? Good to see you guys as well. Been all right. Are you enjoying Mayor Adams' uh, capricious uh, jab mandates uh, there in New York City so far? He has been slow to uh, reverse a lot of the de Blasio decisions thus far, and it's been... uh, it's been fairly disappointing from someone who was enthusiastic about him. Serious question. If Kyrie Irving said, because I mean, they're dropping this because the playoffs are around the corner. That's why they're doing this. And Brooklyn has a team with him on it that could win a championship. Right. So um, if, if Kyrie said, I'm not coming back to play uh, unless you drop this comprehensively, what would New York City do? What would Adams do then? I mean, he was already pressured without that, so mm-hmm. I, I imagine he would have done the same thing. So okay. he would have, you know, tried to save face somehow and not. Yeah, wait, wait, it yeah, wait for a couple days like he did here. Wait like a few days yeah. to go by so it doesn't look like he gave in. But yeah, yeah, right, I hear you. right. Which is why I suggested yesterday that's what Kyrie should do. He should say, okay, great, I'm not coming back though till you treat everybody else the same way as as you're treating now the athletes. Anyway, let's get to issue one. 
of our weekly look at the week that was, Bleep Lord Nefarious says. Hey guys, I'm in the women's restroom. (laughs) Uh, Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Mm, not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. Of the- Talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. What did that race mean to you? It's, it means the world to, to be here, be with two of my best friends and teammates, and be able to compete. When, uh, when does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. (laughs) Ma'am? I don't know. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. Our LGBTQIA plus teammates at Disney asked for our solidarity and support. This time, Courtney and I, we're going to take a pause from our broadcast to show our love and support. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. A four-year-old in my class today was naming all the girls in class, and then she said my name. And I just tell her, I'm not a girl, don't include me. And then another four-year-old whipped around, she's like, mixed kid is a people. (laughs) And another four-year-old at a different table looks at her and goes, they're a they. Made my non-binary teacher heart very happy today. Judge Jackson, before you granted this fentanyl kingpin's motion to reduce his sentence, did you contact any of the victims from his case? I did not contact the victims in and his case because there another... were no victims. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're gonna, there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, gonna, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Well, I came to congratulate a man who just got reelected without opposition. I, 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 I dream about that someday. First question. I should that that was one of the most endearing moments of his entire presidency, a little self-deprecation. I, I kind of like that, Uncle Joe, more than do everything we say or you're not an American and won't be treated as one. Which Uncle Joe do you prefer, Todd? I'm not giving anything any benefit of the doubt. No one gets a positive value judgment after what I just watched. Not even. No. Uh, well, I can't no. blame you for that. Paul, as the guest, you get to go first. What did you watch that made you hate your life the most here in the last few minutes? You know, Steve, rather than come on here and kneel before the tyranny of your Dace Group format, I actually have some personal grievances to air with you and your audience. And so I, I asked myself, what would happen if I just ignored the montage and, and went into business for myself? And then I remembered your theme for this year's show. And so in honoring that theme, (laughs) let's find out. It has now been, it has now been three long months since you have invited me on your show. And it got me reminiscing 
When I first debuted on the Steve Day show, coming on here to criticize Kamala Harris, I was that shiny new toy. You would introduce me as that handsome devil, Paul Alexander, and frankly, you were right. I mean, compared to the Robinos and Josh Hammers of the world, I was Brad Pitt. I mean, really, I was the Blaze TV eye candy for a while. But then last year happened. You and Todd put out Fauci and Bargain, your star rises, and suddenly we have Emerald Robinson and Rachel Semmel coming on as regulars. Tell me, Steve, how am I supposed to compete with a knockout like Jill Savage, huh? Well, really, I'm asking myself that, and, and frankly, I'm reconsidering my own casting and life choices by what that four what that four person box looks like every time one of them is on and one of these things is not like the other that's no. i mean there's there's your designated ugly fat friend and then there's just making really poor life choices and 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 that's that may be one of them yes. yeah now paul is relegated to getting texts on friday night at uh, 11 p.m eastern time asking if he wants to be on the the days group basically our booty call now. yeah yes yeah. yes and, and so i asked myself could it really be that that simple and superficial? I mean, yes. The last of course, the I answer is on, yes. Yeah, of course, it's yes. Yeah. Well, well, to be fair, I tried to give this some thorough thought. Last time I came on, I did offer a full-throated defense of Jen Psaki. But you like contrarian views. Mm-hmm. And so then, then a light bulb went off. Every time I come on this show, I see the comments, no matter what position I take, There's always some viewer who will say, do you see that Bill Clinton book on Paul's shelf? You can't trust a word he says. Dude, I get emails about the Joel Osteen game almost every single day on my shelf, but go ahead. Well, I I wondered if they got to you, and if they did, now I have escaped from Alcatraz, and I have returned to rehab my image and prove to your audience once and for all that I am indeed a trustworthy ally. So to make my case... Here are some of the other books in my collection that you don't see behind me. First, Republican Rescue by Chris Christie. I think I'd the rather have you have the Bill Clinton book, but go ahead. Prescriptions that will save America and allow the GOP to recapture the White House in 2024. But you know, policy alone isn't enough. We need strategy, which is why I have studied from cover to cover Courage and Conscience by the greatest. <laughs> Campaign manager in the history of conservatism, Carl Rove. But look, 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 look. In the grand scheme of things, Steve, the GOP needs bold and courageous leadership that will heal the divisions of this polarized country, which is why I cannot speak highly enough about two paths by former governor and son of a mailman, John Kasich. So, Steve, don't you or anyone in your audience ever again accuse me of not being on your team. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. It is very difficult to upstage the bleep Lord Nefarious says montage. We found out. It, we found out it can occur, uh, and that was exceedingly well done. You clearly had a few months to prepare and took full advantage of them. Okay. So um, it is good to have you back. Well played. Todd. Well, when he complained about his uh, bitterness for being taken over by all uh, the women, I honestly thought he was going to change his pronouns right there. So that all went, <laughs> everything after that went better than I thought it was going to go. I, I'm actually quite pleased. Listen, I listen, all the gender stuff, you know what I think about it. 
I'm just not going to be redundant about it. It's as bad as it ever was. Uh, they're planting their flags. We just have a choice to make. So I, but I'm, I'm, what, what, else, what more can I say? Aaron, you took the words out of my mouth. You obviously were doing it intentionally. I've had uh, thoughts in my head that uh, Brown Jackson, it was worse than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I, I expected to disagree with her ideas, but she has Kamala energy. It's really been mm -hmm. pathetic. And you, what you were doing is dead on. Uh, so I'm not going to take that away from you. I'm going to go with those, uh, whatever they were, ABC, ESPN, and talking heads at the game in their moment of silence. All of journalism, they're just crisis actors now. They're, 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 Amen. It is that, speaking of pathetic, uh, they these are shallow, uh, deeply uninteresting uh, stooges of of whatever they think the cool kids in class want them to do and say and be if that's what feminism is and it's just juxtaposed while uh i'm calling it's thomas leah from now on it's not leah thomas it's thomas leah he's a dude while that's going on and you're having your moment of science about a, a, a silence Sign. That's a free oh, yeah. slip no of kidding. epic proportions. Yeah. Yes. How about a bill that actually doesn't exist or say the things you say it is? Um, we are absolutely in. And when uh, Jason Whitlock was recently quoting Voltaire, Voltaire on um, uh, when he was on uh, Tucker Carlson, you know, if you will believe the ridiculous, you you will commit the atrocious. Yeah, those who can get you to believe the ridiculous yes. can get you to commit then atrocities. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Amen, Aaron. I think for me, it's uh, I think it's Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock. Oh, yeah. We have to force. They're just behaviors. coming out of central casting now, man. And we're doing it over here at BlackRock. <laughs> yeah. You're going to own nothing and love it. That's 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 kind of the, the great reset plan. Who knows? Who knows if Black? <laughs> I was about to say, who knows if BlackRock is really in on the great reset thing? Of, of course they are. Of course they are. They're the largest, largest asset manager, I think, in the entire, on the entire planet. Uh, hmm. You know, central casting is right. It's like, uh, we need somebody to be like the evil corporation. Now, they were like casting now, left I, behind books Ironically, now. though, that was in the context of a, of a conversation he had um, on, at this uh, panel uh, hosted by the New York Times uh, talking about, uh, he talked about uh, how the Ukraine-Russia conflict is spelling the end of globalization i don't i don't know what he's got up his sleeve there but um maybe that's going to be kind of the next frontier exit question on a scale of one to ten with one being the odds judge jackson really doesn't know what a woman is and ten being the odds lindsey graham absolutely knows what a man is rate this week's level of total depravity todd ted paul one day I would like you to have me on so we can have a serious discussion about your characterization of Lindsey Graham. But until then, I wanted to let you and your viewers know that my favorite book of 2021 was a story about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, Lifelines by Dr. Leanna Wynn. <laughs> We've learned our lesson, Paul. Yes. We'll have you on more frequently. Yes, next we time. have. <laughs> Mea culpa. Goodness, mercy. I feel like you're Berto Duran. No mas, no mas. You won. All right. 
you know what? Uh, when you have Paul Alexander on your show, you can have struggles with inflammation in the body. And also because <laughs> you have 360 places in your body called joints that are cool and crucial for flexibility and keeping active as we get older. But they also can be little uh, little scepters for that inflammation that causes your chronic pain, which is what causes you know that lingering soreness and achiness that just won't go away. That's inflammation in the body. That's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory from our friends over at Omega XL, backed by uh, going on three decades of clinical research and the last couple of years of me using it daily, so I can testify uh, to its effectiveness. They're offering you buy one, get one free today if you want to try or try it again. When you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. All right, gentlemen, issue two here. We got to talk about our women. Ann Seltzer is a mainstay in American political polling. Her Seltzer and Company poll is rated A-plus at 538, and as far as Democrat-leaning pollsters go, she's been about as close as you can ask for for the last few cycles. Her newest poll finds Joe Biden's approval rating underwater by 18 points nationwide, with just 34% approving of the job he's doing. Amongst Democrats alone, it's a 70% approval rating. For reference, Barack Obama's 2010 Gallup approval rating at this time amongst Democrats was 84%. Donald Trump's 2018 Gallup approval rating at this time amongst Republicans was 85%. Back to Seltzer. The poll says he's underwater by 23 with men, 12 with all women, underwater with those under the age of 35 by 14 points, those above the age of 65 by 13 points, barely above water with non-white voters, and has a plus 21 approval rating amongst suburban women. Take a bow, Karen. By the way, well done, Aaron, uh, bringing in the context of where Trump and Obama were, uh, were by contrast, at this stage of their so presidencies. About 15, per, uh, 15 points lower for Biden. Indeed. All right. So, uh, Todd and I are going to kick this one off, because, Paul, I believe you are still unmarried, correct? Not to mention correct. living in New York City. All right. So, you and I know a little something about suburban uh, women. We happen to be married uh, to a couple of them. Okay. So, do we buy this poll, Todd, that... This is the only significant swing demo in the country that Joe Biden is not underwater with our wives and their peer group. Do we buy it? Absolutely. Tell me why. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think what's going on in the pool with Leah Thomas has everything to do with this. Listen, that Ivy League schools, they are filled, stilt. Because, listen, the money's coming from somewhere, all right? Yes, all the diversity quotients and things like that, but they need to keep that trust fund hopping. And they are full with uh, 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 girls in that pool who grew up as daughters of suburban women. And, listen, this is where they uh, learned all of that from. Everything, everything is being taken away from them, and they don't have the ability to— women power— aren't protesting until it's all over they're keep and when they're protesting they're keep using the female pronouns for this guy and and supporting everything he does they're saying that well but but something's got to stop 
while guaranteeing when they do that, it will never, ever stop. There is something within the suburban female DNA that thinks you can get what you want while constantly conceding the store. It's never going to happen. They're going to take everything away from you. This is why I'm convinced there's anything in my life in terms of how God ordained my purpose. I am the father of four daughters. And I'll raise them never, ever to believe such nonsense as that. That This is what you never... Uh, why, if you give away the milk for free, they're never going to buy the cow? Mm-hmm. This is the exact same logic. Do you want... You, you really want to be treated with respect? Or again... Are you the crisis actor, those two women who make a good living uh, calling basketball games, but they will say and do and be anything? You're not an individual. Feminism has not made you stronger. You are simply part of the Borg. You are a cog in the machine. You go to the hardware store and you the big bin of nails or screws, or speaking of screws, you've been screwed by, you, you are such a dime a dozen. You don't matter. There's no individuality to you. That is a huge problem with suburban women. And it's something I made damn sure no one's ever going to look at my daughters and think that that's them. Aaron, before I go to you, because I was remiss in being in remembering, you also are married to now a suburban woman. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Paul, let's, let me use you as, a, as an entry point for an alternative definition or alternative explanation for this. Okay. Is it, is it, do you think it's possible that this is just as simple as that this was the group that Trump uniquely turned off and, um, and what we, what the right gained in rural voters from Democrats, it gave back to Democrats, these white suburban women in exchange, which there's more of, and, and, and they just frankly don't want to admit given that they were wrong to support Joe Biden instead and this is just simply, I don't want to admit that the vote I made is blowing up in my face and my family's face and our family budget face and our our, fa- our home values face and the job market's face and everything else. Do you think it's possible that it's the explanation is just that simple and we're being too meta about it? Yeah, Todd had a, a very nuanced and interesting answer, but you sort of took the words out of my mouth, Steve. Yes, I do believe that uh, approval number from suburban women very simply because at the national level, they still see the GOP as the party of Donald Trump. And because we have this duopoly where our political choices are binary, Biden is viewed as the default alternative. And so because of how much they detest Donald Trump as a person, they will begrudgingly stand by Joe Biden. At the local level, it's different, which is why you saw someone like Glenn Youngkin, who did an excellent job Mm -hmm. of distancing himself from Donald Trump, able to flip Virginia red. But as a national brand, the GOP is still the party of Trump, which is why I firmly believe if Joe Biden decides to run for re-election in 2024, the only Republican he has a chance of defeating is Donald Trump. All right, Aaron, back now to the perspective of men married to suburban women. Your thoughts? So I I absolutely... I absolutely um, buy this poll um, and this the, the that that his biggest um, that his biggest support swing support comes from suburban women. And I think I, I think um, can't really have this conversation without 
without having a conversation about the the basic differences between men and women. <laughs> of course, we're having a panel full of guys, so maybe I'll steer clear of that. But I think there is a tendency, first and f- foremost, just socioeconomically, what Ali Stuckey pointed out, that the effects of a uh, of inflation being what it is really hasn't really hasn't touched them yet yet gas prices you know it's high but um still you know i'm not having having to sacrifice much of anything right now so you know in, in terms of the pocketbook the acute effects of what we're experiencing right now really have, haven't uh, affected them i think there's actually more to her point ali stuckey's point about seeing Joe Biden as kind of the beloved father or father-in-law with dementia. I, I think there's more to that than maybe we want to admit. Because everybody, we've said this multiple times. How many times have we said this? How many family members have you known who have gotten older and had dementia? They sound, look and sound just like Joe Biden. And so obviously there's going to be, um, you know, without any critical thinking, uh, not saying there's none of that going on, but just without it stripping that away, just gut reaction, um, you're going to have a soft spot in your heart for that. So you're not going to, you're going to find anywhere else to blame, but the guy you voted for, for any ails that actually do touch you, or you will admit are, are going on at the moment. What we're basically saying is that Joe Biden's suburban women support are, um, more and more Democrat families have moved into the suburbs because they want to, they prefer to raise their families there. So they were already trending more swinging anyway. We saw that in the Obama years. So that's one reason. And the other reason, though, amongst our own peer group is that this is basically Beth Moore's email list. Mm. Right? That's kind of what we're saying. So did Beth Moore attract that email, email list because that's where a lot of our church wives already were? Or has she kind of led them there as a, you know, and it's not just her. There's a group of people, but she would be probably amongst the most outspoken and famous. You see what I'm getting at is the, yeah. you have a, one minute on that before we get to the exit question. Todd, well, I understand Beth Moore. You, you sum it all down. It's what I see in a lot of women's Twitter feeds. It's this choose kindness mantra, which has killed the church, which is just women should listen. I'll just say for my women shouldn't vote if that's their bottom line. This, we're trying to run a civilization here. It cannot just depend on teenage girl cat posters of kindness. <laughs> okay, well, let's make sure we don't lose 47% of our audience with the exit question. I'm a father of four daughters. I earned my damn stripes. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. True or false? Polls like this one, though, are why the odds that, it, that it's at least 75% Trump's running mate in 2024 is going to be a woman. Todd. Oh, true. I mean, you're. I think you're lowballing it. I think it's low. Well, when I originally wrote the question, I wrote ninety. Yeah. You think it's? You could, but I thought that might be too high. Did you like use a, would or should? Did you use would or should? Uh, will. Will. Yeah. Will or should? Yeah. Uh, sell, sell, sell. Uh, sell. Just because it's zero percent. <laughs> it's going to be John Kasich. <laughs> Oh, it's just whatever the worst case John scenario Cornyn. is. John Cornyn. It's going to be, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, whatever fair. the worst Tough case scenario fair. is. That's what it's going to Mitch be. Mitch McConnell. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? What do you think, Paul? If Trump is the nominee, which I don't believe is a foregone conclusion, even if he runs, then true. I believe his running mate will be a woman, and her name is Caitlyn Jenner. Ugh. 
<laughs> you should have held up a book on that one, too. <laughs> well, Trump's disgraced former campaign manager did turn that scam into a uh, publicity and printing press operation. Brad Parscale last yeah. year, we saw that, right? That was my thought process. Yeah. They already have the same campaign. Manager. Yeah, there is, there is a, there's a, there's some connective tissue there, but I mean, obviously Trump would not do that. It'll be, uh, right. It'll be, uh, no, no I believe. Yeah, yeah. You believe it'll be no. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think she's on the finalist list. And I think if the whole thing with, um, Lewandowski and, um, what happened last year where she flopped originally on the very issue that you're the most worked up about right now. I think she might be on a list of one, frankly. I think the list has has opened up for some others on the basis of a couple of missteps that, uh, that Christie has had since then. One of them, which we'll get to after the break, I have theorized as somebody, Paul, you know well. So I thought it would be just completely a missed opportunity if given you're the only one here that knows Tulsi Gabbard at all I've never even met the woman since we have conjectured about this I thought it would be a missed opportunity if we did not get your take on this and we'll do so when we come back all right so your former boss is going to be the topic when we return here on the Dace Group uh, with Paul Alexander, Totters, and Aaron McIntyre. It's your weekly look at, oh, yeah, and me. It's your weekly look at the week that was, and it will continue here in a moment. In these unprecedented times make sure you don't go into the real estate market without a real estate agent you can trust and where would you find them well the name says it all unfortunately when you go to whatever are the big real estate firms wherever you're trying to move or move away from uh they don't list their agents they don't have like a power rating right they don't don't give that information and so you don't know who the people are that you don't really can't really trust you can't really rely on Thankfully, there is, though, a registry and a referral service of real estate agents you can rely on. It's called realestateagentsitrust.com. This is a company started by Glenn Beck and his associates because, well, why else would they think there was a need for this? They ran into real estate agents. They found out too late they could not trust. Lo and behold, they found a whole bunch of good, you know, trustworthy real estate agents in this audience. And the concept just kind of mushroomed from there into this business. So just about anywhere you want to move to or from, we can find you one of these. That's a real estate agent you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's bring back in former Tulsi Gabbard campaign strategist, our good friend Paul Alexander, because it's fitting to have him here for this very next topic on the Days Group. Issue three is his former boss, Tulsi Gabbard. Former Congresswoman and Democrat presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard is on a roll, it seems, recently. Probably Republicans' favorite Democrat, Gabbard has made a name for herself by bucking her own party's crazy side and affirming reality like how men are men and women are women. Gabbard recently got into a tussle with Willard Mitt Romney over her vocal opposition to getting involved in a potential World War III. Perhaps even more curiously, she was the special guest alongside keynote speaker Glenn Beck at the Reagan dinner at this year's CPAC in Florida. It's clear she has a loose group of fans across the aisle, but it's unclear what her political ambitions are in the coming years. If any. 
So let's ask someone who used to work for her uh, one-on-one at her side. So, Paul, since you're here, what's the end game here? Maybe there's not one. You know, I don't know. Um, But um, do you think, as I do, that she is being wooed by Trump slash the GOP? I don't believe that they would have given her a speaking slot at the Reagan dinner at CPAC just because um, they were curious to get her take on things. But what's what's your view, view of this? All right. Uh, When I saw this on the rundown, I really had to think about what would be appropriate for me to say. I still speak with Tulsi. I very much like Tulsi as a person, but my honest analysis can't be influenced by that relationship. So I'll I'll start with this. A, nothing I'm about to say is meant as criticism or condemnation. And B, this is strictly my opinion. And Tulsi has at no time communicated any of these thoughts to me. So first off, Tulsi loves Hawaii. I would be shocked if she ever leaves there. She has very strong roots in that state, loves the culture, loves the lifestyle. At this point, Tulsi cannot win a statewide election in Hawaii. She cannot win a Senate seat there. She can't run for governor. It is a deeply blue state. And her brand is now toxic with the Democratic base. So she has no political future there, which brings me to this. The GOP is not wooing Tulsi. I believe Tulsi is wooing conservative media. Mm, She has has carved out her brand as the rebellious Democrat, unafraid to speak out against the extremism inside her own party. Conservative media loves her because she serves as validation that the narrative they're peddling is correct. And and look, even their own members are starting to see the light. So what George Will and those people are doing for your Democrat media right now is essentially what you're saying. In a sense. I mean, look, other than an instance where someone like Mitt Romney personally goes out of his way to attack her. Tulsi almost never criticizes the GOP or even champions any of the Democratic platform anymore. She doesn't do any liberal media at this point where she can challenge the left-wing narrative directly. So where does that leave us? Well, look, she's human. We all crave acceptance and positive reinforcement. And if she can't run for office in her home state, How does she maintain a platform and earn a good living now that she's no longer in Congress? For me, the answer to that question is why I believe Tulsi has been on a multi-month audition with Fox News. She was on Hannity last night, Laura Ingram on Wednesday, did the full primetime circuit last week, Tucker, Sean, Laura, goes on with Jesse Waters a lot. This has been the pattern for a while now, and I I think she is in the running to become a paid contributor with Fox. Uh, There's nothing unethical about that. I think Mm -hmm. the opinions she shares are genuinely hers, but if you're asking for my take on what her endgame is, that's it. Sorry. So uh, so she wants, you don't believe her endgame is political office, that her endgame is having a, a, a say in the process? And that she views our platforms as more friendly to giving that to her than than what used to be her native platforms. Is that fair? Correct. And I, I don't think she would be completely closed off to a unity ticket in 2024. I, I don't believe she would ever seriously consider doing it with Trump. 
Uh, I'll make that caveat. But I, I do believe she would consider it. Uh, she is very sincere in her desire for unity and thinks the, the polarization is a, is a very extreme issue in the country right now. Um, you know, I think personally, you know, if a Republican got in office in the White House in 2024, where she would be, you know, most excited would potentially be secretary of defense uh, position, something like that, more so than a vice president position, just based on what her priorities are. Um, that, that would be my guess. But I, I don't think she is currently doing what she's doing with the goal of getting on a GOP presidential ticket or being in a GOP White House cabinet in three years. So if you don't want to be on Trump's ticket, would you take an offer that you can be um, head of Homeland Security for an endorsement, for example? Uh, because if I'm Trump, I just need... Tulsi Gabbard to say one time, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. It left me, you know, and and, you know, we have to stop this craziness. I only needed to say that once and I can run that ad into the ground for suburban women. Right. Would she take an offer like that from him, do you think? Anything is possible. I think their internal polling would show that. I hate to say this on live television. Don't do this. You're, you're not, you're not, you're not, we're not paying you, brother. You're, you're not, no, no, you're, no, no, you don't no, have no. to blow, you don't have to blow any of your confidences or anything of that nature. We're not asking you no, to do no, that. And if you, sometimes there's things I can't say or answer, and I'll just say, I can't talk about that right now. This is not confidential. So I, okay. I wouldn't breach, reach that trust with her. Um, I think their internal polling would show that Tulsi is fairly unpopular with suburban women. Oh. It wouldn't make Okay. All right. She's much more popular with men. A couple of surprises there then. Okay. So he, Paul thinks that she's the wooer more than the wooey and that she actually is more popular with, with us than with our suburban wives. Uh, so Todd, your thoughts on what Paul just had well, to say. I love all of that analysis from uh, Paul. The funny thing about it is Tulsi seems she's an, she's a really kind person you heard me just riffing on kindness but that's all that fake nonsense over there she's she seems like she's an incredibly decent human being and i, I absolutely agree uh uh with paul about she believes what she's saying listen to me she's another uh uh dave rubin and, and listen dave rubin felt far afield from the truth uh, very recently, as we diagnosed on our show, but he's been one of the most interesting people in the spotlight in the last five plus years because he clearly saw where things are going as a man of the left and said, I got to call some BS and a lot of different areas. And Tulsi has done the very same thing. She seems genuinely if the Fox things have hey, got to pay the bills and this seems pretty good. But she does seem like she genuinely refuses to be anybody's stooge and i respect that i think she would about if i'm right about this uh i think she would have been ideal as a national security advisor just rip the fbi to shreds and gut that place paul you want to respond to what todd just said yeah i agree with everything todd said you know having having spent uh, a lot of time with her and, and as someone still in contact with her she is a very sincere and genuine person Regardless of uh, what hot water that may or may not put her in, um, she is not a, a manufactured political personality. And I think that's why uh, she resonates with a lot of your viewers and viewers of conservative media, even when she was championing 
Democrat policies, you know, a handful of years ago, uh, she was still popular uh, with your audience because they sensed that sincerity from her. And that is very real. Aaron, you want to get out of this before we get out? Just quickly, I, you know, I, I would, Paul is obviously our subject matter expert here. I, I could see, um, I could see her maybe, uh, maybe going for an endorsement, but I, I could never really see her agreeing to terms with running with Trump. Doesn't mean it's never going to happen. We're talking about Trump here, and I think dismissing that offhand is foolish. Um, but I, I, that doesn't mean, though, that Trump and Trump's camp wouldn't like to have her as well in, in some capacity. And I would just echo what Todd said. Tulsi, it's not just that it seems like she doesn't hate people like you and I. It's that she actually kind of has some just basic decency and, and respect for other human beings. And that's refreshing, whatever, whatever her aims are, whether that's Fox News or political office. Would she say yes to Ron DeSantis, do you think, Paul? Certainly more likely than Trump. I wouldn't say it's likely, but I would say it's definitely more likely uh, than Trump. I, I, I don't think she would ever consider seriously running with Trump. All right, let's get to the exit question. True or false? There is a better chance Tulsi Gabbard will be Trump's running mate in 2024 than either Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley. Aaron. False. Todd. False. Paul, what do you say? False, but I actually put DeSantis below her. I think yeah, there is a zero percent chance. But uh, I put I, Nikki Haley above her, even I, though I, I don't believe any of them are in contention. I, I think Nikki Haley is in uh, is. I think Tulsi. Well, who who they would prefer? I think Tulsi would be very high up their list. Knowing them as as I do and that operation, I think I think the only thing as as I've heard many times uh, with people who work closely with uh, with the former president, the only thing Trump loves more than forever loyalists are new ones. Okay, I mean the idea of adding her uh, to his repertoire, I guarantee you that's far more attractive to Trump than Nikki Haley, who they view as a betrayer, and Ron DeSantis, as they view as someone that could overshadow them. So I, I agree on the three names I just gave. Ron DeSantis is at the bottom of that list. Completely agree with that. So let's have some fun with our kicker topic here for issue four. Right now, gun to your head. Choose who you think would be the best GOP ticket in 2024. Aaron. Um, I, I would go with Ron DeSantis, and let's just go with a homer pick, Kim, Kim Reynolds here. I think that would be a legitimately good uh, ticket, but I'm just going homer with the vice presidential uh, pick. So our governor, yep. all right, as the running mate. And I think she's on a list, as I've indicated. I don't believe that they gave her the State of the Union response. Now, that they may not have gotten the response from her that they liked. I don't know the answer to that. But I think she was absolutely on a list. That's why she was given the State of the Union response a couple of weeks ago. Todd. No, that's absolutely not my pick. I'm just going to double down on what Aaron said. And she's, she, uh, she's, I think, better than Gnome. I think Gnome ha- instantly falls into more uh, gotcha traps in terms of having to explain some things. Where I mean, whereas Kim Reynolds has just, I mean, she has, there's, there's profiles encourage A and B, and you might need to argue who you put in order between Kim Reynolds and uh, DeSantis uh, in terms of what they've done for their states. All right, Paul, give us the outsider perspective on this question. What do you think? I'll answer it two ways. Personal preference as a swing voter, who would I be most likely and excited to, to vote for? I would love a ticket of, of Nikki Haley and Tim Scott. Uh, but in terms of strategically, a ticket that would both excite the base 
and capture swing voters, those suburban women, I think uh, a DeSantis-Haley ticket would be the best ticket. A DeSantis-Haley ticket. Trump- Mostly because Haley brings credibility in the foreign policy arena that no other woman that's being discussed seriously has. I think she yeah, you was can't a, deny a popular- that. Yeah, she I mean, popular, expected, you know, uh, ambassador to the United Nations. And I think that's something DeSantis lacks. I, I, I can't deny that. I, I think there's a better chance that DeSantis would pick a Haley as his running mate than a Trump. I mean, yeah, I, there, there's too I, much direct issues there. Um, but I, I, I think that that ticket has a better chance of happening than Trump Haley does. All right. Let's get to our predictions. Todd, go. I just thought about it for the first time last night, seeing how it shook up, but it's, I'm going to predict it. It seems like the perfect chance for the sports gods uh, to intervene. The final four is going to include a Duke North Carolina matchup. And wouldn't that be something that would be, that would be something that would be something. No question about it. Aaron, the USFL, when it starts up this spring will average per weekend between 2.5 and 3.5 million viewers. That's a monster number. Across the entire, all of the games. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's, still a monster number. That's a monster number. I mean, it's, it's, you know, that's kind of a Mac level game on a Tuesday night on ESPN. But the XFL wasn't that far outside of that number either. But for a startup league, that's, I mean, dude, they would, they would take that right now if you told them they could draw that on a consistent basis. Paul. Less of a prediction, more of an opportunity to leave on a high note and potentially break Steve heading into the weekend. I want to let you know that there is currently a Democratic super PAC by the name of American Bridge rolling out advertisements in cities across the country in Ukrainian. I, I, here's the thing. I'm only surprised that Republicans didn't do it first. <laughs> I, I, that's the only thing that could surprise me. Right, right now, right now over at Crossroads where Carl Rove hangs out, hangs out, they just heard that. And they're like, snap, man. Why were we doing that already? Right. I, All right. I don't I don't have the data, but I would have to imagine less than point zero one percent of people in this country speak Ukrainian. Indeed. I guess. Yes. So it's a uh, speaking of which, angle. that's a good segue to my prediction. So I was wrong. We, we lasted a day group two weeks ago. I predicted that this thing would come to a resolution by the time we got together again. And I turned out to be wrong by that. So let me re uh, reboot this prediction. You're gonna Harold camping this thing and just say two weeks later. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna late great to Hal Lindsey this thing exactly. Yes, uh, I'm now gonna predict that Putin has until the end of April to resolve slash win this. Otherwise, the Shycoms are gonna get wobbly, uh, uh, and uh, and and not provide him the cover that they currently are. So I think he's got until the end of April. You can still you can blame the delay on winning on the muddy season and everything else. We get into May and the summer and everything else. No, I, I think the Shycoms get wobbly if this thing gets into May. Uh, so I think he's got till the end of April to win this. Sell. Sell. Yeah. Okay. Paul, good to see you again as always, brother. Take care. All right. We'll do it again soon. Likewise. Sounds good. All right. We'll come back. Feedback Friday's next. Stay tuned. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and all of you. Don't forget, if you're a podcast listener, please leave us a five-star review if you like us. Uh, Hit subscribe or follow if you haven't done those things yet, because those things help the show to grow. At least I'm told that. If nothing else, they make us feel good to get all the positive affirmations. So many of you have done those things already. 
Thank you very much to each and every one of you. You can also email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. We'll get to your emails here in a moment. Like us on Facebook, uh, MeWe Parlor and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter and Getter. And then get yourself clips of the show that are free of censorship and you can watch for free at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. Feedback Friday brought to you by Home Title Lock. Things like what's going on right now with Russia and Ukraine, just the kind of chaos foreign identity thieves love. And an easy target can be American homeowners, not necessarily our credit cards. That's small time stuff. These hackers want your homes. Uh, That's why they call the crime home title theft. It's exploding in the U.S. You're not unfortunately covered by either your homeowner's insurance or your mortgage lender, but... That's what our friends at Home Title Lock do. They put a virtual barrier around your home's title. Why? Because most of our home titles are virtually accessible online these days. So they make sure that uh, they mobilize. If they detect anybody's attempting to hack in and make it look like you've sold your home to them so that they are now in control of your home and your equity, they mobilize to shut that down. If you want to get more information, register your address to see if someone's already attempted to tamper with your address or you want to sign up for their protection. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. One more time, that is HomeTitleLock.com. Dot com. All right, are we ready for some feedback Friday? You bet. You bet. All right, let us begin with this note. First, before I get to my reason for writing, let me say that you, Todd and Aaron, uh, to you, Todd and Aaron, how much I appreciate each one of you pointing clearly to the truth each day, not apologizing, backing down, uh, and instead uh, hitting it squarely in the heart. I've got a lot of respect and admiration for you guys on your show. Thank you. My reason for writing to you is to share with you what happened to my brother, sister, and me and our father in August of last year. My father was 84 years old, still going strong, vibrant, active in the community, and could have passed for a 60-year-old. He thought he was doing the right thing by getting the Moderna shots. He encouraged me to get the shots. I refused. My brother and sister did not want to get them. My brother was pressured to get them by the workplace he was in. My sister was pressured into it by her doctor due to her current medical conditions. After being fully vaccinated and a few months later, my father contracted COVID-19's Delta variant. He went to the hospital and was put in the ICU unit. The doctor told him it was good that he had been vaccinated, otherwise things would have been even worse. Keep in mind, guys, he's in the ICU. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like he's not even getting some kind of outpatient treatment. He's in the ICU And the doctor's response is, well, it could be even worse. Do you know what the only thing worse than being in the ICU is? Dead. Dead. Yeah. But we'll get there. The doctor told me it was good. He had been vaccinated. Otherwise, things would have been worse. That first critical week, we were not allowed to see him in the ICU. The hospital in. Wait for it. Wait for it. The hospital in Alabama. Alabama. Another roll tide joke in there for me. Yeah. Apparently the joke's on us. Yes, it is. The hospital in Alabama restricted anyone from seeing their loved ones due to the high rise of the spread of COVID. We called the nurse's station every day just to get a word on his progress. We called him on his cell phone when we could. We agreed that my sister had more medical knowledge and we let her speak with the nurse and question his medical treatment. We asked the doctors to give him ivermectin. They refused and said they do not prescribe it, that this was not part of the recommended treatment protocol. 
Instead, he received Redemsevir and vitamins. As soon as they opened up a way for us to see Daddy, and one at a time, we ran through the ICU unit, not caring that it was filled with contagious germs, and we kept our foot wedged in the door to stay there because Daddy needed help and no one was giving it to him. That second week was all we had. By Thursday, he was gone. Steve, as I write this, I am crying. I am still angry, hurt, a whole host of emotions. I called his death a senseless and wasteful death. The hospital, Fauci, CDC, in my humble opinion, they killed our father. They refused effective refused effective treatments. We didn't even have time to find a way to get him somewhere else. No one helped him eat that first week. I could go on and on. I try to think about so many others who lost loved ones this way and suddenly, not just from COVID, but by the wrongs, whether someone took the life of the daughter standing beside her father at the zoo or whether someone lost a husband during the violent summer riots and attacks because he was trying to protect a friend's business. I know, my siblings know, we are not the only ones to lose a loved one, a family member by such means. But it didn't heal the pain from losing a father because a hospital refused treatment that might have easily saved his life. Steve, his life was worth something. To us, it was worth a lot. My father served as a Marine. This letter just gets worse. My father served as a Marine to defend our nation. He served as a police officer to protect the lives and property of our community. Their dad did a double tour of duty, foreign and domestic, on behalf of this nation. And this is how he was repaid. Not being fed in the ICU, but being told it could be even worse and being left to die by the experts. He was a cattle farmer who helped to provide beef products for the community. He was a deacon for his church, a Sunday school teacher. He lent so much support to so many people. He gave so much and had so much more to give. How can that hospital, how can Fauci and all the others, how do they have the gall to live with themselves knowing what they did? See, this is why I think we're dealing with demons. I, I don't think, I, I, I believe in total depravity, not utter depravity. And unless we're insane, I don't believe those of us who carry the mark of Almighty God are capable solely of our on our own. Just as on our own, we cannot save ourselves of our sin. I don't believe solely on our own without a prompting, a provoking, a possessing. Can we go to these kinds of depths that you're describing, particularly when it's this level of systemic? Know what I'm saying? Yep. We're not talking about an individual case. This is systemic. Folks, I can't tell you how many notes. Now, they're maybe not fathers with the service record that this gentleman had, but how many notes like what I'm reading to you right now I have received in the last year plus on this show? That's demonic. How can the hospital, how can Fauci and all the others, how do they have the gall to live with themselves knowing what they did? And it's not just the loss of one man, it's the pain of an entire family of children, grandchildren, and the community. How can they get away with this murder? How does a person get over this? Steve, I guess I'm writing this in hopes that it can be made known because I wish I could tell Fauci to his face what he did. 
He needs to see the people he has harmed. We need to make it publicly known to him what he did. All of those involved need to know. Surely we have a right to confront the one who did a grave wrong. I know we will never get that, but I thought medical professionals were to do no harm. They did completely the opposite. If I had done the same thing to someone's father, I would be behind bars today. Yes, yes, you would. I lost my father to a senseless, uncaring, cruel treatment protocol and to people who did not care enough and who should have known what this would do. And it hurts like hell. Thank you for your time and for allowing me to grieve through this email. Terry in Altoona, Alabama. And it's because of letters like that and how many of them that people like Fauci know there are that right now you are being choked to death with Ukrainian flags and state legislatures yelling gay, 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 because they cannot afford this. As dumb as those narratives are, they cannot afford this truth to come to life. That's exactly right. It's, it's why did they have to pivot from Afghanistan to jab mandates, knowing how unpopular they were? Because there was at least a base of people within their own party, and frankly, a smaller base, but one that existed in the other party as well, that was all for them. So even though they were upside down holistically, they were teetering on the brink of losing their administration over the Afghanistan thing. They had lost everybody on that. So they had to they had to transition to us to and they and that's why they didn't they didn't intend to to go to the jab mandates right as the jab was losing its efficacy in public they didn't intend to do that guys they had no choice they had to they had no other issue to pivot to to get out of the Afghanistan what happened there and the Americans they left behind they can't pivot to the economy nothing else there's nothing else they could pivot to so they had to go to that. And along the lines of what you just said, why was it Ukraine the very next day? Because do you know how many letters there are like this? Do you know how many letters there are like this? I've gotten. And we have a modestly upper middle class successful show, right? We've talked Uh about that. Is that a good characterization of what we are? Imagine if we had the late Rush Limbaugh's show. Imagine if we had Rush's platform and we had access to to that size of an audience, how many more of these kinds of emails would we have gotten? It, the, the excess death numbers tell you how many. Legions. And I use that term on purpose. Terry, and again, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest. I'm not a prophet. I'm not an apostle. I have no formal ecclesiastical calling i'm just a guy that god i love that loves his savior for saving him and has a lot of flaws and just happens to have a microphone in front of my face that's all that i am so this may not be the most theologically orthodox statement that i'm about to make terry when i'm faced with these kinds of injustices i first of all I have no idea what to do when it's personal and the hurt is that personal. Other than, thankfully, you have a creator who knows what it's like to lose someone close to him. And unfairly and unjustly. But that doesn't satisfy the desire for justice, though, does it? 
Which is why, frankly, at times like this, I am comforted by the existence of hell. It comforts me. I'm fairly, not totally or completely or maybe even adequately, but I'm fairly aware of what that means. I've spent a good deal of my time over the last five, six years engaging that dark world uh, on, a, on, a, on a content production standpoint. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I have some level of understanding and awareness of what that means, how dark and terrible that is. but I'm comforted by its existence because it's also deserved. And there will be justice in this life or the next. Hopefully y'all have a church down there that is better on an institutional level than your medical system is. That isn't a roll tide church. Nothing wrong, by the way, of being roll tied, but that's on Saturdays, guys, not Sundays. Know what I'm saying, G? I do. Okay. Hopefully, y'all got a real good church that has been there for your family during something like this. Don't let the hatred, the bitterness, don't let them do this to you twice. Let it go. But let the memories of what they did fuel you to righteously when you sense something like this or the same forces are assembling to do something different in the future. No, I recognize that foul stench. Not here, not on my watch. We will terrorize the terrorists this time. I also have been saving that. She sent us that note in early February, so it's been almost two months. But I've been saving that note because I wanted to wait until a time came that it looked like we had maybe forgotten really what had gone on here. And that's why I chose today. Because they have tried the last few weeks to get us to forget what has gone on here. Do not forget do not. What went on here was one of the most, if not the most, terrible fraud in human history. Don't forget. Unfortunately, the back end of this suffering is just beginning. The poisonings that they have done with these jabs. The story today about the increase in alcohol-related deaths from people that didn't have access to a safety net because their AAs and their counseling groups were taken away for a fraud. If there's any silver lining to that, it will be that carnage will be so acute, maybe it'll stop us from making the mistake we've made so many other times, which is once we get comfortable, we forget. Don't get comfortable. And don't forget. 
God bless you guys. I, I just can't even imagine. And all of you in our audience that have sent similar notes, I, I just, the anger I feel. go to this note from Melissa. I'm a faithful listener of your show. I was happy to hear my state representative Jason Zachary on your show recently. I also listened the following day on your commentary on parents in our district. I'm only one, but I'd like to share my story. So for those of you that don't recall, Jason Zachary is a state representative in, uh, I think it's Knox County, Tennessee. And the mayor down there, Glenn Jacobs, who's a pro wrestling hall of famer. So certainly no shrinking violet. So the mayor and and the state rep down there when the when the when the state court tried to enforce a mask mandate on the kids, they were like, "We're not doing that. We're just completely going to disobey it." And they were just beyond dismayed slash disappointed to disgusted that too many of the parents in a county would they say Trump got like sixty four percent of the vote yeah. in this county or something in the last election in a county that Trump won by like thirty points in the last election. A bunch of the parents were like, well, "We can't push back. It's we have to choke our kids. The courts told us to." And Zachary and Jacobs were like, guys, we're the, are, are we really at a stage now where the politicians are bolder than the people? Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's not the way this is supposed to work. You guys are supposed to pressure us. You guys were supposed to be in my office first thing the next morning say, you better, you sure as hell better not here in Knox County, Tennessee, enforce that court order. Instead, I'm like, guys, we ain't enforcing the order. You guys, you guys, are, you guys are enforcing the order, right? So then they finally decided, okay, I, we can't get our people to defy, so I, I guess we'll have to take them to court. Right? That was the story, if I recall. Sadly, right. yes. This is what she's responding to. In the spring of 2020, I was a resident of downtown Chicago, where I lived with my husband and eight children. The severe lockdown, followed by a large looting incident just steps from our front door, prompted my husband and I to leave our home of 10 years to move to the free state of Tennessee. Though we homeschooled previously, we decided to give the local public school a try for that school year. It was a decent year, but nothing to brag about. But in the fall of 2021, I became more involved in my children's public school assignments. I was disturbed by sexually explicit content, staff shortages, and critical race theory injected into the curriculum despite the state ban on such material. My son was coerced into reading a book by Imbram X. Kendi in an honors English class. This is the same county, guys. I was biding my time and raising my concerns with the school administration when the mask mandate was reimposed on the students. That was the last straw, and we withdrew all our kids and began homeschooling again. My husband and I both rearranged our work schedule so that we could prioritize homeschooling the kids and take back their education. We recognized that it was not their education alone at stake. It was the hearts, minds, and souls of our children. I know other parents that are outraged as us, but they continue to send their kids. Sorry, my computer locked up. I know a lot of parents that are as outraged as us, but they've continued to send their kids there. I think conservative Christians have become so dependent on the public school and comfortable with the way of life that they set themselves up to accept whatever schools force upon them. That is true. That's why you have been a rare bird, frankly, Todd. Schools use things like sports participation to twist parents into accepting curriculum and teachers that they know they shouldn't like. Though Tennessee is more free than other states, we have learned the hard lesson we cannot rely on any politicians when push comes to shove. We appreciate your show. It's emboldened us to push back and to try to resist the pull towards reliance on politicians and government schools. Also, thank you for your faithful coverage regarding preparedness for COVID. 
I'm happy to say that during the winter, we weathered a COVID outbreak in our family and extended family with only one minor hospitalization, and that included elderly grandparents. I'm happy to say none of us took the jab and we all made it to the other side. I mean, you can identify with this to some degree. Very much. Because it's not like you're walking into a lot of those Carlisle school board meetings with 10, 15, 20 other dads. I am not. Or parents of any stripe for that I matter. I am not. It's often you just walking in there by yourself. Often is. Often is. Yeah. So there you are. Get You get, you get the tyranny you're willing to comply with. You get the evil you're willing to tolerate. And I'm certain... I'm resented for it more because I'm willing to do it and they aren't than that they differ that much in many cases in Carlisle with what I believe. I think that's really the sad thing about it. They just resent their own cowardice. Yes, you're convicting them of it. it's got to be my fault right. for weight rocking your, your, your willingness to act shames them yes. and convicts them and that this what you just described is why I'm I've always said this is the reason why the when I say when I say the only party that hates us more than the democrats are the republicans it's because of what you just said it's because they would they are they, they would prefer to 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 pillage and plunder the public trough for their for their side of K Street and their special interest and their utopian corporatist schemes instead, but because we're there and we put them there, they have to pretend to be something they are not, and it sets them up for failure. They have to defend issues they don't believe in, don't understand, don't even care about, or may even have the opposite view of us, frankly. But they can't completely abandon them when they really love to do that because then we wouldn't vote for them. Mitch McConnell's not voting for Judge Jackson because he's morally offended, guys. He's not voting for Judge Jackson because she doesn't need his vote. Yep. That's why. Well, Steve, he held up the Merrick Garland. First of all, white male. Secondly, if they had allowed Barack Obama as a lame duck on the way out the door to fill Antonin Scalia's seat, would that have not blown up their entire scam? It'd have blown the whole thing up. People would have said, wait, you can't that? So, again, the motivation was to keep the scam going, Mm -hmm. to keep you on the plantation, brother. That's what it was there for. That's what it was there for. Give you just a little bit of freedom so that you don't leave the plantation. And that's why they hate us. We force them to take heat. And to even tepidly and often stupidly take positions they don't believe in. And that's why they hate us. Because we convict them of their own cowardice and shame. Our presence here does. Just what you were describing, brother. Right over there. All right, let's get to this question. Angela in Pocatello, Idaho. This one's very timely. I completely agree overall with your show's state of things, but I wanted to ask you about surrogacy in relationship to married couples. A few years back, my brother and his wife wanted a child, but because of medical issues with his wife, she was unable to carry a child to term. We as a family had discussed the idea I actually offered of me being a surrogate for them. 
The process would have been me simply as the carrier for their fertilized egg. I had four successful pregnancies of my own and was willing to do this for them. My husband supported the idea as well as our parents. Given the discussion on today's show, I wonder what you guys if you guys would see this as a moral problem. So, again, I, I haven't invested a deep amount of thought theologically, philosophically, or morally into this issue until it recently came up here in our own network. And forgive me, that's just my own oversight. In my own defense, of it's my ascensions have been uh, elsewhere focused, okay? But because this was something that has been a hot-button issue and recently discussed in our own circles, I thought we should actually entertain our email now while it's still fresh in our brains. Any thoughts on this circumstance? I want to hear Todd's thoughts, but I have thought about surrogacy in in general more uh, this week and i i still so in the, in the situation in the context that it was brought up with dave rubin i think that's just a non-starter Agreed. absolutely not yep i think generally though this to me and i don't know if i'll make todd happy or sad with this this to me is a lot like vaccines um i think vaccines in and of themselves they're not you know, they're they're value they're morally neutral. It's just depending on, I think, and it's it shouldn't have gone this way. It just depends on what you put into them. It depends on your motivations for getting jabbed. Are you trying to say no? The the way that you made me, uh, God Creator, is not right. So I'm going to poke myself. I think that's that's probably where I come down with surrogacy as well. I don't think it is always unlike what I understand Todd's position is. I don't think it's always morally questionable or wrong but in the situations where it's definitely not morally wrong i'm not sure if those situations would ever actually come about so i think it has to do with the motivations without going to further detail motivations first um because functionally with a key difference functionally it is kind of like adoption which opens up another can of worms. If you are at the point where you are unable personally to have biological children, where is your heart? And this is a this is a really tough issue. Where is your heart to say, no, we're not going to adopt. We must have biological children. I say that not flippancy, uh, not flippantly. I don't want to go into too many details. But I, I understand to some level the pain and the hardship that, it, that comes with difficulty with um, fertility and things like that. I don't say that flippantly, but I would say, where is your heart where you say, no, we're not going to adopt. We must have children that share our DNA. So I don't think it's always impermissible, but I don't think it should always be the first choice, if that makes sense. Todd, we'll give you the last word here. You got about two and a half minutes. I believe you, in your heart, were doing a moral thing. But I do believe uh, that this is immoral because there is no way to put the brakes on what view you view as your individual choice to help and where that goes more broadly when applied to everybody else's motivations in at it what in a utilitarian context 
that has now d- turned into there there are just freezers full of embryos these are these are it's not freezers full of sperm and egg it's freezers full of embryos frozen human beings in their most nascent state that's where all of this goes and it goes on to dave rubin and it, 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 there's no way to put the brakes on that and i don't say that callously either in terms of everything aaron said my 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 own sister uh she ended up uh she adopting as i told you last year uh three uh foster children and made their lives better it uh, could not have uh a baby uh naturally got married uh too late there are there are still options um and i understand the yearning to have one of your own but i don't uh, tell me i'm here's where i tell me i'm wrong that you can put the brakes on this and not have it go to dark utilitarian places of horror movies by the way, right now, there's over 400,000 children in the U.S. foster system. There's over 100,000 children waiting to be adopted right now in the United States. We'll come back. More Feedback Friday here in a moment. You know, like a majority of our lives are still spent uh, indoors, like 90 some odd percent. It's okay to get outside every now and then. I mean, it's so bad, guys. We're so used to being indoors. When I let the dog out, the dog now looks back at me with the same look on its face that the kids had when they don't want to stay, have to stay outside and they want to come in. Even the dog now looks at me like, can I come back inside? Go outside, get some fresh air, right? Warmer weather is almost here. Let's make the most of it with Outer. They're the new outdoor furniture company with purposely designed furniture to get you outdoors more. They make the world's most beautiful, comfortable, innovative, and high-quality outdoor furniture. I've taken a a look at what they have. I mean, they have some absolutely uh, phenomenal stuff. Uh, from uh, chairs to from teak chairs to fire pit tables, everything Outer makes has the look and feel of what you'd expect at a five star resort for less than you'll pay at a big box store for something that in the end doesn't even last. Over one thousand neighborhood showrooms across the country uh, take part with Outer Difference in person. Uh, they've got triple memory foam cushions that are comfier than most indoor sofas. Can you just take in that nap outdoors? That sounds like a totters and thing kind of t- too, doesn't it? A nap outdoors? Take a nap outdoors. I can't nap. You can't nap? I'm just... I, you know I, what? That's the most totters yeah. and thing. I, I, I ain't got time to nap. To, no, it's not. A no, no. That, I was, just let me finish. Okay. It's not even like false bravado. No. You're so er- totters and you're like, I literally cannot nap. I would like to nap. I'm old now. Yeah. I cannot my, 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 I just cannot nap. You talk about yeah, how I we're would. wired. I am almost incapable of falling asleep during daytime hours. It's just not, I can't <laughs> do it. I used to be able to do it a lot. That too. is so Todd. My no, gosh. I'm with him. I'm with him too. I mean, I can nap, but I, it's just, I actually can't nap unless I'm sick during the day either. I can't either. Yeah. But I just like the way that you said that it was just like, I'm like, I can't do it, man. I'm impervious to napping. Uh, you can see the difference at Live Outer. And, and remember, Steve, note to self, don't bring in the help to do a live read if you don't know what they're going to say. Um, see the difference at liveouter.com slash Steve. Plus, for a limited time, get $300 off and free shipping when you go to Live Outer, O-U-T-E-R, liveouter.com slash Steve. Terms and conditions apply. 
Again, get $300 off and free shipping when you go to liveouter.com slash Steve. Check it out. I mean, there's some really cool stuff there. I was looking at their uh, catalog about a week or so ago. I did too. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah, they have some really cool stuff. Yeah. All right, this is from Cat. Cat writes, the American people equal the abused, subjugated wife. Left-wing political leaders and elite equal the abusive, cheating husband. Conservative Republican party leaders equal the wife's sympathetic best friend who's having an affair with the husband. Thoughts? Uh, not just too much truth today. Can uh, I, did we break you I even? Used to. Are we at the point that Todd's just like? Oh, there's. I'm gonna need some. I'm in. Is Bonner Private Wines on the live read list today? Is that where? Is that yeah, where you're at right now? It's still Lent. I've got three weeks to go, brother. <laughs> I'm dry, baby. I'm too dry. <laughs> That's the most dejected I've ever heard. It is. It is. And I kind of liked it. Um, In your most humble opinion, I can give opinions. Many of them are humble. uh, So I got to warn you in advance. In your most humble opinion, given the current state of our culture, with which of these moments in history is is our present cultural moment most likely to rhyme? Are we witnessing the transition state? Oh, wait. No. Oh, crap. I missed it. Here we go. The American Revolution... As in the restoration of the constitutional civil order. <laughs> Sorry. Like I said, I'm dry. There's no buffer. All right. Think Todd's on the record. All right. Number two, the French Revolution. Internal civil strife and the overthrow of the status quo by secular humanists from within. Number three, the fall of Rome. Enemies at the gates overthrow the empire from without. Number four, the Great Awakening, a revival of religious nature that affects the civil order as a result of the proclamation of the gospel. That's from Joseph Fish. So I'll take the first stab at this, and then I'll let you guys go, because I think this is a great question, okay? One of the issues that I had, so it, I've, I've, had, I've long had a complicated relationship with the Ron Paul movement, or the, or the and, and, I, and I know that, they call themselves libertarians, but it's a very unique brand of libertarianism, right? I mean, Ron Paul didn't sound like the guy at McAfee software, you know, when he was trying to be the libertarian candidate for president. So I, I would call it sort of a, a Republican conservatarianism. If, maybe is maybe what I would call or how I would label Ron. I don't believe it was pure Ayn Randian libertarianism. It certainly was somewhat influenced by it for sure. But I, I, I had a very complicated relationship with that movement for several years because I saw it up close and personal. Number one, elements of it trained me in political activism. Number two, they basically lived in our state for several years because a lot of that came out of the right to work group. And then, and then that went into organizing Ron Paul's and then Rand Paul's presidential runs in our state. Um, and they, and, and I, and I conceded arguments to them. They have absolutely to some extent influenced my, uh, beliefs on a few things. Um, things I didn't really carefully study prior to Ron Paul's emergence. Um, issues like, um, the, the value of currency and what it truly and ultimately is an application and manifestation of foreign policy. Now, they they got me to be skeptical of the previous foreign policy views I had, 
but I never could fully endorse the ones they had either. So it was just always a very complicated relationship. I've known Tom Woods, who's one of the most respected thinkers in that movement for years. Dude's brilliant, you know. So, but one of the things that concerned me and why I never fully got on board at the, when it was at its when it was ascendant is I was concerned that many of the fundamentals it was arguing was actually the French Revolution and not the American Revolution. And that's one of the reasons why so many anarcho-capitalists and uh, overall anarchists and atheists were attracted to Ron Paul's movement is because they recognized vestiges of the French Revolution instead of the American Revolution. I'm not concerned about that any longer because we're beyond that now. I, I don't believe. And then I was a little afraid at first that Trump was kind of a version of a French Revolution. Just a different mob. I don't believe I, I think we're I, I don't believe that's a temptation on the right any longer. Because of how far gone the rest of the culture and the opposition that we're up against has gone. Meaning that. At this point, the a fear of a French-style revolution is would be, I, I'd enjoy that fear, okay? I, I'd rather have that argument. I, I think we're beyond a French-style revolution. I don't believe you can have an American-style revolution, Joseph, without the Great Awakening that was there that you put last. There's a reason why the Great Awakenings came prior to the American Revolution, so I don't think we're seeing a restoration of the constitutional civil order. That's why, Todd, you laughed. Because the a, a, a revival has to happen before that occurs. I think it is possible that we are on the throes of a revival. Given how it seems as if darkness is being allowed to consume us. God is sovereign. Darkness, therefore, only consumes us if A, permitting it for a, <clears throat> pardon me, permitting it for a time sets the stage for God's ultimate plan to be known, glorified, and successful. Or B, it's a judgment that's being permitted against us because we deserve it. Let me rephrase that. Under a sovereign God, darkness only seems as if it will be, or let me repeat that, not rephrase it. Darkness only seems it will consume us for two reasons. Number one, because it's being permitted to temporarily in order to set the stage for God's ultimate will to be made known, glorified, and successful. Or B, we deserve it. We're being its judgment. I think that is possible. And then I think on your list, number three is the most possible. That without that revival, so it's not number one, so the darkness is being, is, is it right now seems to be consuming us, not because it's number one, that God is pruning and preparing a remnant for revival, but because it's a judgment. I think, I believe it is one of those two as it relates to us as a people in this country, but on a global scale, I will say this, I'm still not entirely sure I can get myself to totally and completely buy in to a premillennial eschatological view, but I will say this, premillennial dispensational eschatological view, I should say, to be more precise. 
from a historical standpoint, there has never been a moment in all of human history where the idea of that narrative being fulfilled in the real world is possible from digital currency to social standing, determining your access to goods and services, even basic Medicare um, to um, what's happening uh, militarily, culturally. There's just, there's never been a moment in history that this was more of an achievable aim than now to the point that I don't know how it doesn't happen. Even if that's not, even if that's not God's eschatological view, historically, all these forces will have this power. The idea they will not attempt to impose or utilize it. That's just not human nature, folks. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, So in a way, I'm actually rooting that that eschatological view is true because then that at least tells me, look up for your salvation is nigh because the alternative is dark ages. Yeah, that's why my answer to this is ask what that BlackRock guy says. Yeah. If, 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 if the amassing, if the centralized amassing of this level of wealth, power, and control into the, into a hand, into the hands of a select few global elites that are immune, really, to our voting patterns, okay? So we can't just peaceably, instantly vote all this stuff out of office everywhere in the world. If... If the amassing of such a collection of coercive power and control is not eschatological in nature, that's really bad news. What you're really talking about is a dark ages with um, cell phones. That's really what you're talking about. Aren't you describing Skynet from Terminator? Well, without, you know, all of the various destruction. But yeah, I mean, that's what you're talking about. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about the dark ages with a mobile phone. From, but from an American standpoint, I think we are number three or number four on your list. You guys have a thought or two on that? Uh, I popped a couple in there. We're Wally. That's in the future, I know. But <laughs> Wally crossed with idiocracy. It's kind of the same thing. So number three is where you are. Yeah. Okay. Um... I think, are we caught up on live reads? Do we do them all? I think, oh, no, Z-Stack. How did I forget that with our buddy? That's maybe the most important one, frankly, given what's going on from our health standpoint with our buddy, Dr. Vladimir Selenko, the world-renowned doctor that President Trump credited with successfully early or success, successfully um, perfecting early treatment protocols with hydroxychloroquine. Z-Stack, scientifically formulated, kosher, GMP certified, all of it made right here in the USA, uh, USFA for whatever new bioweapons they only, I'm sorry, um, variants just happen to occur. Uh, as well as flu variants as well. Uh, zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, vitamin D, these things all now into one convenient compound for you to take preventative care of your health. Go to zstacklife.com slash dace right now. Z is in zebra. zstacklife.com slash dace right now. Use the promo code dace and you'll get a discount on your first order at zstacklife.com slash dace. Um, let me see if there is a short one we can get to here before we get out. Um, let's, let's end with this one from Dale Pratt. Do you think that we as Christians really believe living the gospel will make life better? 
I find myself rejoicing in the grace of Christ, but then returning like a dog to its vomit, thinking that I can find happiness in sin, justifying inappropriate behavior. What do you think we as Christians should do to elevate who we are so others may also see the light of our Savior in us? Can we make the earth a little more heavenly by following who we proclaim to be our master and leaving behind uh, the uh, temptations of this society and its hell, um, or the hell that it has become? Well, yes. In fact, Dale, that's actually why you're still alive. The reason why you're not instantly taken up to heaven upon your conversion is because you are to shine that light for others to see for the time that you have. That's why you're still alive. If Listen to me, anybody within the sound of my voice right now, if you are a believer, no matter how aged you are, what health condition you are in, if you are a believer and you're alive right now, it's because God has left you here to shine your light that he gave you to everyone around you. That's why. That's why. But be careful what you mean when you said make life better. Because that doesn't mean to a lot of Christians right. what they think it means. It may not mean prosperous and right. complacent and for, for, comfortable. Yes. Yeah. Four years ago. Four years ago, my life was a lot easier. I went to work. I went home. I had fun. Kind of did whatever I want to do. No more fun? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I have fun now, but I had, you know, whatever fun I wanted yeah. to have any other, a, yeah. any time. Now I go home. I got to make sure Ben's fed. Got to make sure Bella's getting enough uh, sleep. Got to take care of Ben. It's a lot harder now. It's exponentially harder, but it's even more exponentially there better. Should more than significant, it was. rewarding, meaningful. Exactly. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. So as long as we know what the term better means, okay. You know, as long as we know what that means, we don't mean that in a Joel Osteen context, but we mean that in a biblical one. As long as we know what that term means, then yeah, that's why you're here. All right, gentlemen, we have a minute. Floor is yours for final thoughts. Well, looking forward to uh, first soccer uh, road trip of the weekend down to Kansas uh, City, laced with some uh, basketball watching, some barbecue eating. Yeah, you're uh, hitting the barbecue hot spots. I have. A little I've, bit jealous. I'm doing well for myself on that front. Okay. What about you, Aaron? Uh, well, I'm doing some barbecuing myself. I'm going to make a couple racks of ribs uh, over the weekend and hopefully don't screw those up too much. Uh, so that's that's kind of the big plans. Bella's working, so a lot of time for me and Ben. I think I'm going to take him to Bass Pro Shop just to get him out of the house. So that'll be fun. Nice. Get him indoctrinated early, are you? Yeah. There you go. All right, everybody else, have a great weekend. We're going to stick around here, do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can also go to become a Blaze TV subscriber if you're not yet one. For the rest of you, again, have a great weekend. We'll see you again on Monday, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.